This is Elephant in the Room, the podcast on PHP and software design. You can find us on the web at elephantintheroom.io. Now here are your hosts, Everzet and Matthias. Hi guys, welcome back. Hey yo. We're uh, once again recording before we uh, publish the previous episode, uh, but uh, we'll we'll try to get everything uh, sorted as soon as possible. Yeah, it's it's kind of nice tradition. the podcast that's late every time yeah that's why we kind of skipped this time and the previous time the what we did last week because we're in our professional lives we're also logging (laughs) (laughs) so um let's talk some more about tests Uh, testing is great but testing is not just uh test first there's a lot of other things you can do uh, and that can be very useful and also a lot of other practices that you can integrate into TDD uh, or use parts of those like after test practices or other test practices in your test driven approaches, not only in other testing mechanisms. So uh, yeah, you said uh, test after, uh, that's something that I, uh, I do more and more uh, lately. Um, and I think it, it can be very useful uh, in the sort of situation where you don't really know what you're going to do or how you're going to solve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mostly for like uh, when I have technical, like really infrastructure kind of things that I need to build uh, where, I, where I'm not sure what the best approach would be and I'm just trying different routes. Uh, like for example, this week I was, I was working on an, uh, an event store for a, for a project that's using uh, CQRS and um, you know, I just start it's basically hacking, just throwing some stuff together and and see what it feels like and see what the API feels like. And then when I have something that I'm happy with, I start uh, writing some tests. And then often I throw away the original code and just uh, start from the tests again. Yep. Is that something you, you do or uh, or are you very strictly uh, religiously about uh, doing the test first every time? I am strictly religious, but it doesn't... It doesn't prevent me from writing some bootstrap code just to test ideas before that. There is a trick though. You, there is a still approach even in TDD world when you're kind of writing tests immediately after you wrote implementation, it's still possible. The, the catch there would be is you need to have this high level of experience and awareness to be sure that the code that you're testing afterwards is actually the the best possible code. So I use this approach where I'm actually writing tests without changing the implementation afterwards, but not 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 a lot. It's really really rare where I have 100% confidence that the design that I came out came up with is a is really good stable kind of bulletproof design. What I do most often and what I'm preaching like for any team I'm working inside or outside of Invika instead is you can write code without tests, but you have you almost have this obligation afterwards to remove the code and rewrite it through TDD. The idea here being is you you kind of treating the writing of the code as a learning process. You're saying you're saying hey, I want to learn this approach, right? I, I want to understand what this code could look like. Yeah. So it is a learning 
practice. So you need to be aware that it is learning practice and you need to treat it as a learning practice. And learning practice has one important attribute, whereas you don't have any outcomes at the end except what you learned. So you need to remove the code, keeping only things that are in your head, on keeping only understanding of the system, understanding the design, and you need to rewrite it using TDD. And this is something that I found works really well with the teams. Like I, I constantly have feedback from guys saying, it, I had this really, really small problem that I needed to, to solve. So I solved it without the tests at all, uh, just writing code. And then I threw it away and did it through TDD. And I was really, really surprised because the outcome was much cleaner, shorter, and easier to read code than I initially came up with. And I didn't like predicted this outcome. It's just like doing through testing, it almost focuses on different parts of your brain. So there's like put an emphasis on, on the structure of the code rather than the solution. But you still, you know, like there is still something in just writing code first just to prove in this, you know, like design ideas. But then you need to be aware that you you need to prove this if it is an important part of the system. So you need to drive your tests if you want to bulletproof this particular yeah. bit. Yeah, I can hear uh, the voices of a, of a million project managers screaming in terror. You're throwing away code. <laughs> <laughs> We're paying for this. Yeah. Learning is a bottleneck. So whatever you can do to, to learn how to do something and then do it for real afterwards is, is going to help you. That's, that, that's, by the way, the interesting thing because any development process or delivery process, especially when you're doing Agile, there's always two possible outcomes of any sprint or all any delivery activity. It is either you achieve something physically or you, you get some like technical outcome or you learn something. And I don't think any of those two prevails over another, I think it is as important to learn something about the system that uh, as it is to, to implement or deliver something. And learning in most cases involves, you know, mistakes. So when you do mistake, you need to be free on just dropping off, changing direction and removing everything you did on this wrong direction, on this wrong path. And that's okay. This is why we so firmly believe in into code cutters and Enrique because it kind of innates this ability to throw things away, to understand that, you know, like sometimes you just need to, to try multiple times to find a best solution. And sometimes, and in most cases, first solution is not the optimal one. So, yeah, and another type of test uh, after strategy is when you, when you have a project and it's a, it's a legacy project, it's something I, I come across a lot, obviously, um, then you you cannot do TDD. You, you, the code is already written, but you need to get it under test uh, to to expand it and to fix bugs, etc. And sometimes it's when the code is in a really bad shape. Uh, the the test after even writing somewhat unit like tests can be very hard. So and you need to start somewhere, and you don't uh, want to start refactoring uh, without any kind of test harness. So what I do then is uh, something called characterization tests. And that means that you're simply recording whatever output 
uh, of the system that you can uh, and often that's simply just HTML so I I fire a request I, I um, save the, the HTML that I get back from the system in a file I put that file in my test suite and then I uh, call that uh, do that request again and compare the outcome of the two HTMLs and then you know if you start changing stuff if you start refactoring stuff then the output should uh, stay the same and you can do this even on smaller scale where instead of the, like getting the entire application and sending requests you can take like one really coupled part of it and just you know like send an input to one uh, at one side and expect the specific output on another side either it's record of the database or uh, write to the file system a characterization test is not even trying to prove that the system works correctly. It only proves that the system still works uh, as it used to work uh, before you started making changes. So the characterization test, it's something vague. You're not even trying to prove that the system is behaving correctly. You're just proving that the system still appears to behave in the same way as it did before you started uh, changing things. And often uh, it's very hard because the HTML, for example, that you get is dynamic, it changes depending on the state of the database. So one thing you do is you just make a fixture of that complete database so that you can prove that for the same inputs and the same database, the output is the same. Yep. Uh, but, but even then it can be hard because uh, you can have stuff like uh, things that de depend on, on what date it is. And it's not always easy to inject the date in a, in a complex spaghetti kind of project. So one thing I do is um, instead of comparing uh, if the HTML output is exactly the same as the original one, I use something like a Liebenstein uh, string comparison. And I, uh, I just say, okay, if these strings are about 99% uh, equal, then it's probably good enough. And then I will usually check it manually if there's something really weird going on. But uh, often when you have more or less the same output with just some details that have, have that are different, it's it's not a perfect test, but it helps you uh, to refactor with a little more security. And when you refactor, of course, then you can start uh, testing the stuff that you extracted. Yeah. As a, as a side note about this, characterization tests are sharing a lot of attributes with functional tests and they share you know the same problems or risks around them the biggest one is be is being isolation it is really it could be really really hard to isolate your system from outside factors like database like mailing server like third party apis depending on how how complex the system is it could be Anything from really simple, if it uses, for example, Doctrine, you will get uh, rollbacks for database rollbacks for free. Or it could be anything uh, super complex where you have custom database, which you can't effectively roll back. And any fixture upload to the database will, will, will give, set you back for 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. The the important example uh, difference I think between uh, sanity tests and uh, uh, sorry characterization tests and functional tests is that the functional tests are usually going to be very focused on use cases one test per use case and you have thought about it etc. 
while the characterization test you're just you know throwing stuff at the wall and 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 seeing what sticks you're you're just trying to get something uh, under a test harness yeah. no matter what yeah. uh, just as a sort of uh, security uh, a sort of certainty that you're not doing very uh, dramatic things to the code base but yeah. as soon as you have something that you that you can extract and test as a unit then you you can start throwing away the 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 uh, characterization tests they're, they're not useful in the long run yep they're just a starting point it it is like shotgun approach it is it is the most simple ways of testing it is it is actually what you're naturally will do, will do as a newcomer developer when you come into the project and there is no tests you will actually try to make changes and reload the page uh, in your browser so you're the characterization test is just automation on top of that, where you don't need to open your browser every time. You just can run script. Yeah, and and usually you still uh, check in your browser a lot, but um, uh, you you can skip it a couple of times and then check again, and because you'll still need the human factor to make sure that everything uh, appears to be working correctly. Absolutely. So when you do uh, the the functional tests, uh, how do you approach that? Do you test everything? Uh, what's your what's with, your uh, with functional take? tests? Yeah, um, there is a difference. Uh, there are functional tests which I'm not actually doing a lot, and there is behavioral test, business behavioral tests, which I'm actually doing. They're essentially the same. The difference is uh, in behavioral tests, we're saying that we don't care about functionality which doesn't have an impact on the business whereas with functional tests you're essentially testing any possible functionality on the website so from this perspective when you have behavioral tests on your hands uh, no we don't test everything we just test the bits that are important so for example if you're buying something uh, and you entered your credit card information we care that there is a message on the page saying you know, like a transaction is complete and we care that there is like transaction is actually complete on the back end but we don't care what else visitor sees because like if entire if if everything outside of this message just falls apart the user experience the business behavior is still preserved and uh, customers still being able to purchase so business behavior is still completed uh, it's just user experience is not on par but it's another uh, uh, department. Yeah. Well, how do you decide what's important? Because, uh, of course, credit card payments uh, are, are usually critical to a business, but um, what other kinds of things? Uh, what's your process? Oh, uh, so the simplest, the shortest answer to this is we don't. We don't decide. It's not, as I said in the previous podcast, it is not, I don't believe it is, developers or any technical implementation or delivery uh, member of the team responsibility to say what is important for business and what not. It is a business responsibility and it should be business decision. So technical, op technical people or delivery team obviously could help uh, to find those uh, business rules around the system or to help understand them to drive conversations into the right term. But decision, what is important, what is not, and what is this business, 
it is essentially business decision that should come was the, from the business. And the approach we're, we're taking to this, we have this so-called business discoveries where we are essentially building, drive, clearing the gap between developers and the business. Like business, I mean, core stakeholders of the system and uh, clients that pay money. So the way we're doing this, we're kind of connecting every single user story or acceptance criteria in the sprint with the business value or the business goal with specific milestones in the project. Thus, uh, everything that developers are implementing or testing, it essentially has an added value to the project. Thus, we're, we're kind of limiting amount of stuff that we're implementing that doesn't have any impact on, on the business or in the core business of the clients. So this is the approach we're taking. And um, the outcome, hopefully, is we don't have functionality that is not required, except, you know, obvious uh, design, branding, all those stuff. So you could add some functionality on the website, which has like branding impact, but not a big business impact. But still, if, if this doesn't work, you still like succeed with the business behavior. You still be being able to buy something or check something. Yeah. But what did it what kind of this buying or checking or, I don't know, performing action is important for the business. That's not your call as a developer. That's a business call. You just need to be aware and you just need to constantly ask questions to get those answers from the business. Yeah. So uh, I always like uh, to, to have good definitions of stuff. And we already mentioned uh, functional tests and behavior and uh, mm-hmm. integration tests uh, uh, what's the, what's the difference between integration tests and functional tests yeah so those integration tests and functional tests are really interesting uh, animals because there is a lot of confusion for people between those two and there is a simple explanation for all this confusion so uh, logically functional test is a test which aim to test the functionality user faced functionality of your application, right? So it's like how the application actually functions in this or another use case from the user perspective. Integration test is when is something above uh, unit level, when you're getting two small or big units of the system, you connect them together and observe how they or check if they work together properly, if they communicate properly, if they're if they put in the context of working application would produce expected results. So integration test is you test how the integration between two modules in the system work. The funny part is if you think about the application as a whole and you think about functional tests, it is essentially same combination of different modules just on the higher level. So you have, instead of small units, you integrate complex big modules in the system, complex big pages, complex big database abstraction layers. And functional test is an integration test just on the highest possible level. And uh, this is where this confusion comes from. You can call almost everything above unit test level integration tests, but functional test is something that requires user-facing uh, user facing functionality from here. So uh, there's one more uh, hot topic I'd like to talk about. Uh, mm. It's code coverage. How do you feel about that? 
Oh, I feel really good about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Uh, no. <laughs> Let's skip it. Let's skip it. Uh, yeah. No, I, I um, like the the typical evolution that people make when they start with testing is oh yeah let's uh, let's have uh, code coverage and automate that in our in our CI and then uh, monitor that and then they implement some sort of rule uh, in the team or in the company like we we will have a ninety percent coverage on all our code and they use it as a as a metric and then uh, usually the the next stage is when they start realizing that this is a rather silly metric because it's very easy to get high high code coverage and still have a, a really bad test suite. Um, yeah, but I, I think I think code coverage is actually very useful, but uh, only in like two very specific cases. And one is as a as a negative metric, like uh, code coverage doesn't tell you that uh, your code is properly tested, but having no or little code coverage does tell you that your code is not uh, properly covered at all by by tests. So that's one uh, kind of useful high-level metric. Yep. But for me, more importantly, is when you when you are doing test after with uh, some code, for whatever reason, it's legacy code or you have been experimenting, um, then code coverage as a very local uh, metric is useful. If you just have one block of code, you run one test, you look at the code coverage for that one particular test, then it can tell you a lot uh, about your uh, assumptions. If your test is actually covering the parts of the code that you thought it was covering, and then I think it's it's very useful. Yeah, uh, I think more people should should use it. And if you like PHP Storm, can show that very easily in the inside the IDE, though, so you don't need to switch between uh, your IDE and and some different. Uh, website or, or CI uh, server thing that keeps the track of the code coverage for you? Yeah, I think my uh, my biggest problem with code coverage is is just I I don't have I don't have problems with the tool per se. I, I have just problems with people using it and abusing it. Yeah. I, th I think it is a perfect tool for the right job and I think it is a perfect utility or solution for really specific set of problems that you could have during development. So as with any really specialized solution or utility, you should really have a problem that it solves. And if you don't, this is where you start causing problems instead of solving problems, right? This is where if you start treating code coverage as a fancy, cool, new tool to drive your project forward. This is essentially the case where you don't have factual problems with the code coverage. You're just trying to abuse the tool for the wrong needs. Code coverage is a tool to tell you that your code essentially isn't tested or existing code is not tested well, and that's it. So you should use it only when you're not sure that your code is tested properly. If you have this confidence, or if your developers have this confidence, you don't need code coverage. Because that's what code coverage does. It, it gives you confidence. It doesn't give you reassurance or approval. It just gives you confidence that you're on the right track or you're doing the right thing. If you already know that your testing system and if, you're, if your developers, if the team is already comfortable in the zone of 
what, how they write tests and how much of the system they, they do. Implementing code coverage in this kind of context will do more harm than good. If you have any experience with teams where they uh, start introducing testing and they want to have some sort of metric, what would you advise in that in that uh, scenario? How how do teams that start with TDD figure out if they're doing the right thing and if if what they're doing is actually useful? Is there any kind of metric that you think could be useful there? Um, I don't think so. I think I think the problems that TDD solves, they are not tech, they are not purely technical, you know, they are not purely engineering problems. They are more um, filling or design problems. So, for example, the problems that TDD solves is how easy it is for the human being to work with the code, how easy it is to understand what the code does, and uh, how easy it is to introduce the change into the code. So all of those three things, they have little or even less ability to, to be automated. It's, they all almost like live on the emotional side of you, of personality. So this is why when you're opening the, the first TDD book by Ken Beck, like, out of the door, the way Kent describes the TDD is it is approached to bring you to bring back the confidence for developers. It's all about the feelings. It is about you being confident in writing code or introducing changes into the existing system. So I don't think you could have like any tools that could help you with you know like checking if you're doing right things with TDD. But I think you will feel when you're doing the right thing with TDD or not. Because the confidence of the team will just grow crazily. And if I could have some outcome out of the, you know, like proper TDD process, this is something that I see every day in, in the in the TDD practice in, in Vika teams. It is amount of the changes, drastical complex changes that team is capable of introducing in the project grows with every iteration so which tells me that team is feeling in the comfort zone by doing really complex change breaking everything because they know that things are tested and they know that tests will tell them if they're breaking something and so this the, is the refactorability is the metric even though it's a very hard one to to actually yeah. measure it is hard to measure really easy to feel because yeah. if you uh it is more Maybe you could, you could track it or uh, put a metrics on top of this, but it will be dynamic metrics. So I I have a firm belief that with perfectly uh, balanced practice, TDD practitioner team, you will have constantly growing amount of complex complex changes, ever-growing complexity, ever-growing in complexity introduced in the project, whereas in the team where you don't have testing, uh, it will be completely opposite. You'll have smaller changes that do less important stuff, right? So I, 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 I've seen this a couple of times, like teams that don't have confidence in the code, they tend to change small things like templates, you know, just like tags, uh, concentrate on SEO, 
all those things that are don't have huge impact on the business just because those things they're isolated and small you can change them without being afraid to 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 break entire system because you don't know if you will break it or not you don't have this confidence yeah so uh, velocity could be one of the metrics you look at to see if you if you start slowing down uh, if you don't have tests and you're you're used to this sort of project where you start slowing down after a few months and uh, until it almost grinds to a halt Whereas uh, projects with TDD, they just keep speeding up because you can do more and uh, more things. You can you can refactor your design uh, to make it more suited to your new insights in in the code and in the the needs of the business. Yeah. So the and more you the more you have uh, a good test coverage, even though you don't measure that separately, uh, you will feel it in your in your. Uh, delivery that that stuff keeps moving forward faster and faster and harder problems become actually easier than than they ever were before and even to- and talking about beyond tdd this is like topic of our today's podcast is it is not needed to do tdd to fix things for good like if you have if you are really in this environment where you are not doing TDD or team isn't doing TDD and you're just one member that wants to do things right, even writing the test for the complex or, I don't know, complex or broken part of it, making sure that you're, you know, you're testing that you're not breaking it in the future, just writing this after test will just rocket your confidence into the sky and you will feel something that we were talking about with Matthias for the last couple of minutes. You will feel this growth of the confidence. You will feel what is what is it to do constant test-driven development process. This is where you will start to appreciate the process where you drive any line of code in your application through the test. Because it is essentially the situation where you have constant level of confidence in the code this is where it just doesn't doesn't fall down yeah and that helps to build a sustainable pace which is uh, something that is very good for for any kind of team uh, where you don't have these dead marches and uh, terrible uh, terrifying deadlines uh, where where uh, all the hardest problems are at the end of the project instead of at the beginning yeah uh, so this is sort of the, the, the qualities that uh, any kind of, of testing is going to introduce in your, in, your, uh, in your working life and in your team. And, and if you have a sustainable pace, and then you get predictability. And again, that's something that the, the, the Agile and the, uh, the Kanban people uh, love very much. That's, it's not, not just about uh, delivering fast, but it's about delivering predictable that you can know in advance if we... Are going to build this uh, this particular set of features, then uh, we can predict how long it will take, and we can predict they will be stable afterwards, and we won't need uh, to to plan uh, lots of uh, extra weeks for for testing and and bug fixing. So yeah. this sort of sustainable pace and predictability makes you happier uh, as a developer. It uh, will not uh, get you to to have a burnout and uh, you know people who are uh, uh happy and productive and uh, 
that's that's just good for for any kind of business not just software so yep. that's that's the sort of thing that uh testing is going to do for your for your project yep absolutely so we talked a little bit about code coverage and uh adding codes adding tests to the system which doesn't have some so adding layer of the tests but what about going into opposite direction where you have a system with a layer of tests and you're throwing away some of this layer so throwing yeah, away I, tests i i love throwing away code it's my uh, it's my hobby uh, <laughs> like on on any kind of project when you when you can uh, like throw away a, a couple of thousand lines of code that you no longer need because you have a better solution or or whatever that that always feels nice i i like to i like to cook in a clean kitchen uh, yeah. and, and that goes for production code, but that goes for uh, testing code as well. Uh, usually with the, the really small unit tests, uh, you don't need to throw them away unless you actually throw away the, the units they are testing. But when you do higher level tests, then you, uh, functional or integration or, or characterization tests or whatever, then you will feel sometimes that a test breaks a lot, but uh, doesn't uh, help you a lot. It It can... You you sort of keep maintaining it, but it's more of a drag, and uh, you know that uh, even though uh, the integration is maybe not test, tested elsewhere, the individual parts are tested, and you don't really worry about the integration. You are confident. Again, here we are with confidence. You are confident that uh, the 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 additional test is maybe not that necessary to guarantee the stability of your system then I think it's very nice to just throw it away and, and don't worry about it anymore. Uh, I remember a case where we had a particular set of tests uh, in a project that uh, they they guarded uh, the security of the code in the sense that uh, it, it made sure that every functionality was uh, only accept, accessible by the right people with the right kind of roles uh, in the system. But these tests were very slow because they only worked uh, with uh, with an actual copy of the production database. Um, they had to to call. They they went through the HTTP interface, so that made them slow as well. Uh-huh. And uh, we used them a lot, and they were they they took like twenty minutes. They were useful uh, at at the point where we wrote them. It helped us to move forward. But after two months, uh, we felt that. Uh, the, the stuff that we got from the, the value we got from them was reduced a lot. So we just threw them away. And, and uh, it's also because part of the whole security uh, uh, module of that of that system was rewritten and we were more, again, more confident about it. So we didn't need the high level integration tests anymore. Yep. Even though in our current system, it's not as thoroughly tested uh, as it was before. Um, we 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 don't feel that this is a problem in this uh, particular case, so you yep. can throw away tests. Uh, it, it can be it can be a good decision, I think. Yeah. Do you do it often? Uh, I sometimes do, more on the refactoring side than not. But I have a really strong opinion about that, uh, and uh, I really can relate to to trimming down the test base together with the code base as a sense of progression for the project, as a way to progress project forward. And even though I fully agree with 
with the points that you highlighted where you you need to constantly be aware of the value that tests add give to you if you spend more time fixing broken tests before because you know like the ui changed or some not really important things in the application change the way they they work and if you spend more time and tests fixing those things then you get value out of those tests then maybe it's a better option to just throw those away because you always need to be aware of you know like where do you get the benefits out when you don't and when you don't and as I talked but there's additional side to that as I talked previously uh, for me testing is really really tied together with development and with business analysis where you essentially develop only things that are important for the application and you test them uh, forefront. So it means that at some point when you add more and more and more and more values or added values to the application, more functionality that is connected with Zoelia, you could have a really huge uh, test suite of the business tests. And at this point, you know, like every single test in the suit has direct connection with the business value, which means you can't really easily remove it because, you know, like it is important. It is it actually tests that we deliver this specific business value to the specific actor in the system. But what happens in this particular case, you're essentially in BDD, in story BDD, highest level. You're saying that you as a developer don't own this test. It's business who does. So if you have like 500 plus user stories or 500 plus edge cases in your system, what you need to do, you need to go to the business and have a long and throughout conversation with him talking about the, you know what, maybe we're trying to do too much things. Maybe this application actually tries to deliver too much values to a single or multiple users in your system. Are you sure that those bits actually have the impact or value that you want them to have? Could we throw away the things that have no impact on your real business? Could we actually throw away things that, that don't have any value for you as a business whatsoever, that don't bring the, the revenues? And it's not only about removing tests, it's also about removing code. Because talking with business about the thing you will have firm and strict approval on, yes, you know what, this part of functionality, nobody uses it, or we think nobody uses it. So let's throw it away, and you remove tests. So maybe if you have a huge and really slow test suite, and it is really complex and it's really, really hard to maintain it, maybe you just need to rethink your business rather than rethinking your technical debt or technical problems inside. Another way, another bit of the puzzle for this is there is Goiko Adzik who's uh, one of the most known experts in the BDD community and uh, he had like this talk here a couple ago uh, where he was expressing his experience with one of the companies he was consulting in and basically what this company was doing they were they had a constant delivery pipeline for the huge project with millions of users. And the project was spanned over multiple servers, obviously, or multiple zones. 
So what they were doing, they were using BDD, they were writing scenarios, they were writing tests upfront, and then when they finished with implementation for the functionality and they were deploying it to the production, they were throwing away all the tests. The reason, the rationale behind this was not, not all the tests, only on the behavioral high-level business tests. The rationale was it is a metric for regression of the business value. But if you have a better metric, you don't need to have it. So they had a better metric. They, they actually was, were measuring how well people are visiting page, clicking buttons, or purchasing specific products. So whenever they were releasing new functionality, they were actually delivering it to, specific, to the fraction of their servers, to one or two servers, and were observing how actual users or customers were operating with this functionality. And if it wasn't been good, it wasn't been matter, is it like purely technically implemented or it's just not interesting feature for the users? They were just throwing away this entire feature and it doesn't matter how well it is implemented, it just doesn't work for the business, period. And in this method, yeah, and in this, from this perspective, it doesn't matter how, how your like complex business rules work inside your tests, because you have a, you have better metric. You can deploy it for the fraction of the users and you can see how they operate with it. They don't, or, you know, like you have a regression in terms of like user start, start doing less. You have a problem there. Is it important? Uh, is it a technical problem or is it a business problem? Maybe you don't care. Maybe you just can, maybe it's one iteration and you can just throw it away altogether with tests, code, everything. And if it works, then you still don't need tests because you will see how users use this functionality later on. So they were literally throwing away all those business tests straight after deployment and they were using testing in the TDD or BDD in the purest possible form just to drive design. Cool. That's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you need you need some uh, maturity in the way that you uh, actually measure uh, how people are using your software because that's not uh, often that uh, businesses are really they they well some some have only limited budgets for software projects and they they want to get as much uh, features as they can out of it and of course they they don't really think about. Uh, maximizing the actual value for the features that they do deliver instead of just delivering uh, as many features as possible. Absolutely. And of course you have government projects etc where this uh, sort of thing is uh, totally undreamt of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you know, maybe it will uh, slowly trickle down to uh, throughout the industry. It can be very uh, very valuable, I think. Absolutely. I think it uh, we the, the things that happen in the industry right now and we're observing uh, and the, the things that explicitly happening in the PHP community is the growth and interest in the quality assurance. And I think this is natural next step where you start to understand that automation is just one way of doing this. There are multiple others you can use. And sometimes you need to make this choice of what is more efficient and and in some cases automation would be less efficient too okay i think that's enough for today constantine
Yeah, yeah, I think there is enough information for one podcast for sure. But if we want to leave you guys with something to think about, just think about logic behind everything we are talking about and everything we're learning, or everything we're trying to teach you, is we're not teaching TDD because it's cool or because we're TDD experts. It's just because we're trying to solve specific existing problems in the delivery process. And just try to think about other ways you can solve the same problems, the problems of the quality, and just be aware and try to constantly find ways to be confident in in the application and in the code you're writing. Just be a better developer. Those are some very wise words to end this episode. Thanks for that, man. <laughs> and thanks for listening. We're at uh, elephantintheroom.io. Be sure to leave your feedback or uh, on Twitter or send us a mail, whatever. We'll uh, try to uh, answer your questions as much as we can. And we love to hear what you uh, want us to talk about or uh, do you think we are being uh, too technical or not technical enough or too advanced or not advanced enough. We, we love to hear any kind of feedback. Um, and, you know, we'll try to get better. This is a learning process for us as well. It's uh, only our fifth episode, so uh, we're, we're still noobs. Yep. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. See you. See you later. Bye.